This is Dr. Rorick from Rorick Knows Podcast. As you know, the goal of our podcast is to help you become a better you. And today we have the distinct pleasure and honor to have one of the world's experts on BBL. And it's actually safe buttock augmentation. And he's a phenomenal plastic surgeon, Harvard trained. He was uh, one of my colleagues when I was there. So Dan, welcome. Thanks, Brad. It's great to be here. Great, great. Dr. Delvecchio is in Boston and he's now en route to London, right? Today? That's right. We're doing BBLs in London. BBLs in London. So, Dan, uh, there's been a lot of news about BBLs, you know, which is buttock, uh, Brazilian buttock augmentation and liposuction. And uh, so tell us a little bit about what it is and why is it so popular and so controversial? Well, Rod, I mean, if you had two hours, I could tell you the answer. But let me see if I can summarize it in a minute. <laughs> you know, it's human nature to love a really round and, and firm butt because it's a primal sign of, of a woman in a fertile state. Okay. And it, it's a primal attraction that's been around for thousands of years. Um, the operation's been around 15, 20 years, and it's slowly gotten better and been more and more adopted by mainstream plastic surgeons. It used to be kind of a back office thing where right. somebody who was very you know, brave did it. And we've gotten much better at understanding the anatomy, the safety of it. And I think that you know, we really, in the United States, I, I feel like we dodged a bullet in the sense that it was close to being banned and outlawed by people who were against it. But I think we've gotten to the point now where you know, we've made it a very safe operation. We've defined how to make it safe. And and patients never stopped wanting it. And lastly, the states have now begun to, on their own, uh, create initiatives, which I applaud. Uh, the state of Florida just recently uh, proposed a law where they put a limit on the number of BBLs a day by a surgeon. So we're making headway in not only the science and the surgery, but also in you know the the regulations and and often the regulatory bodies uh, trail behind innovation. Right. Think about the internet. There were no rules about the internet. Now we have internet lawyers. Um, same with BBL. So the BBL technology is here, and now we have more more regulatory limits about how many they can do, and that's just for the safety of the patient. Right, and I think, you know, just for, for our listeners, Dr. Delvecchio is an incredible educator, and uh, he trained at the Mass General and at Harvard, and I, and I had the pleasure of meeting him there when he was uh, just in, in the beginning of his training. But I will tell you, he's largely responsible for helping making BBL safer, helping us understand the anatomy, and of course, most recently in helping people to say, hey, these are the things you should do, and these are the things you shouldn't do. So tell us a little bit about that, the safe subcutaneous buttock augmentation. Sure, well, Rod, I've been pushing for subcutaneous only BBL for about five or six years now, and, and it's now the mainstream. And what that means for, for the average layperson is we don't put the fat anywhere in the butt, but just under the skin. So we stay away from the really dangerous structures that can cause fatality. Um, that's all said and good, but the next step is how do you know you're subcutaneous? Right. So, so that's the missing link. And we recently um, submitted a paper on ultrasound guided BBLs. So we can literally see the cannula under the skin 
and at all times when the fat is going in. So, so we can safely do that. Tell, tell the audience, what, what is ultrasound? What is that for those that don't understand that or don't know what it is? Uh, ultrasound is a, it's almost like a radar, but that you can see. Right. So it's bouncing, it's bouncing sound waves onto the skin and below the skin, and then it's receiving the reflection. And because the tissues have different densities, it creates an image. So it's like radar, but it's better. You can literally see the muscle, you can see the fat, and it literally should reduce the mortality rate of this operation to zero. And I and I wrote about this in, in a paper that you accepted, Rod, uh, the safety of abdominoplasty versus right. BBL. And I said, the safety of BBL will eventually go to zero or close to it, whereas the safety of abdominoplasty will always have you know, a one in 13 or one in 14,000 mortality because people will always have blood clots. We can't eliminate blood clots from surgery. So whereas BBL is now considered the more dangerous operation, it actually isn't. And in the future, it will be a much safer operation. So why isn't everybody doing ultrasound? I mean, you know, it makes all the all sense in the world. In fact, I, you know, even I have done a couple lately with ultrasound, and it makes it so simple and so safe. It makes it simple. It's safe. It's faster. In the beginning, people thought it would be slower because you'd be you'd have to follow your cannula with the ultrasound, but. Pat Pasmino and I have, have developed this technique called SIME, which is static insertion, which means you just put the cannula in and then the fat goes through and it's almost a complete departure from you know, what Sid Coleman taught us, which is to keep the cannula moving at all times, to disperse the fat. We're literally relying on a very unique aspect of the anatomy, which is that the deep subcutaneous space has very little connective tissue in it, so the fat just flows freely through it. Um, but it's faster, it's safer, you get more projection. So we're very pleased with SIME, and uh, we think SIME will take over the, the technique of BBL instead of kind of a Coleman technique where you're trying to disperse it and, and, and you know, no boluses. So we've got a lot of work to do. We've got some good research to, to come up with that will show that that bolus injections don't cause any problems in the yeah. buttocks. So how do you find a safe BBL surgeon, Dan? You know, because I know we always hear about these reports, especially in certain parts of the United States, whether it's Miami or elsewhere. So how do you find somebody that is going to do this safely like you, t like you outlined? Well, I think the first thing that patients should look for is um, the use of ultrasound. I think that if they are looking around for plastic surgery and BBL in particular, they should definitely ask the surgeon whether they use ultrasound. Um, Florida isn't enacting a law that says all cases have to be done with ultrasound, which is great. So Florida should be a good place to go. Um, Florida is also enacting a law on five cases maximum, which is a lot. Um, it takes me about two hours to do a BBL and an hour to turn my OR around. So, you know, if I did five cases, which I've never done five BBLs right. in a day, I've done four, uh, I can count on one hand the number of times I've done four in a day, but it would probably be a little too long, but it's still better than eight or nine. Right. Um, the second thing I'd ask, have patients ask is, have the, have the surgeon ever had a fatality from BBL? 
And I think those are the those are the two major questions I'd ask. Well, well, who does BB? I mean, I know, of course, you know, we're both board certified plastic surgeons. I mean, obviously, I'm a firm believer, and those are the people that should be the ones highlighting it. And I know others are doing it. So, help me understand for the consumer. What what I mean. What should they look for? Okay, somebody that uses ultrasound, operates in an accredited facility, uh, board certification in plastic surgery. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a tricky, it's a tricky topic. So you know, there are always really good surgeons in this world who aren't board certified. There's, you know, there's always a couple of people who are fantastic surgeons, never got board certified. Right. And, and on the other hand, there are there are patients. There are, there are BBL mills in Miami where board-certified plastic surgeons have worked and who have had deaths. Right. So I don't, I don't think it's a simple rod, and I think the journalists uh, fall, fall to, this, to this concept. Now, I don't think it's just simply you're board-certified, you're going to have a great result, you're not board-certified, you're not. I think, there, I think that there's some overlap, yeah. but I do, I do think that um, I'm – personally committed to teaching board certified plastic surgeons how to do it safely um, for, for the pa- for the patient's sake and and remember that this is about public health and patient safety this isn't about us versus them um, if there's a plastic surgeon or a doctor be it an ER doctor or a dermatologist or whatever and they're doing 400 BBLs a year they should know how to do it safely yeah. they should be taught oh, because I- because they're still going to treat patients and whether they're board certified or not, those patients are at risk. I No, I 100% agree. I mean, I feel the same way about, you know, when we teach people rhinoplasty. And just because you're a board certified plastic surgeon or official plastic surgeon, and, and, you know, that doesn't make you an expert at all. In fact, you know, that it also doesn't give you a good result. So I, I'm with you. I think the key is it's patient safety and patient outcomes. And I think that's what we want to focus on. But that's also what the public wants to focus on. Don't you think, Dan? That's what the public wants. Yeah, I think the public wants number one safety. Right. And and after that, it kind of it kind of turns into a, a comparison of price. It's like let me give you an example. I don't know anything about wine, and when I go out with my friends who know much more about wine than I do, I get intimidated. And the only thing I do is I look at the wine and look at the price, and I say, if the price is higher, it must be better. The price <laughs> is lower, it must be worse. That's that's as good as it gets with me. And I think, unfortunately, patients do the same thing. They look at the price and go, well, that guy must be good because, well, that girl must be good because she's charging X. And this one down here in Florida is charging this. And I think that they're not, they're not really doing much more than that. Or they're looking at chat rooms and, and, and Google ratings. You know what I did for the last 10 patients? What? I, did, I just did this. I said to them, I looked them at the eye in the holding area, and I said, where did I go to medical school? And you know how many out of 10 knew that I went to Harvard Medical School? Zero. 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 I know. And I said, I said, how did you decide to go with me? Google reviews. We're living in a different world. This is not the world that you and I, I trained know. in. I this agree. is a different world. So they go on price and Google reviews and chat rooms. And, and you know what? That's the way it is. So that's what we have to do. We have to educate them in the chat rooms. We have to educate them on Instagram. 
we have to educate them in that venue because we're not going to reach them any other way. Yeah, no, no I, I totally agree with you. And, and, you know, you know, you I and I are not millennials. We teach millennials. And I totally agree with you because it's it's a fact of life. And some of my colleagues and, you, and our colleagues say, wow, that's not right. But honestly, it's the reality it, it, of plastic yeah, surgery yeah. today. Yeah, that's right. Life isn't fair. That's the way it is. Yeah, and no, and I don't. It's just like, you know, I teach people cosmetic medicine because, you know, in the core specialties, dermatology, facial plastic surgery, uh, ENT, and ophthalmology, if they are, they're doing it anyway, so we want to teach them to have great outcomes. And honestly, so many of them do it incredibly well. Yeah, I, I think this us versus them thing is gone. Has, has, has got to stop because we're not, it's not, it's not in the patient's best interest. I mean, Granted, I think a board-certified plastic surgeon is the best, and I think members of the societies like ASAPs and ASPS are the best and the safest and the most trustworthy plastic surgeons out there. I do. I really believe that. But I don't think we should exclude the knowledge from people who aren't because that will hurt patients in the end. I agree. Because they're going to do it anyway. I agree. And exactly. I think that's a paradigm shift. And I, and I know you and I can get criticized when we do that and teach people but you know honestly it's the right thing to do for the consumer i really do and and you know yeah. in the end you know we're still mds that means that we have to you know take the oath you know do no harm and we're trying to help people to be safe right and educated yeah so yeah and there are there are a lot of bad bbls out there you know and and you know not every one of my bbls is perfect and i can only imagine that there's lots of bbls out there that fall short and you know we have to we have to get better at the safety, we also, Rod, have to get better at the aesthetic result because some of them are not done enough. Some of them are overdone. Right. Um, you know, some people have cysts. Some people have lots of irregularities. We have to get better at this. This is a this is a baby operation. This operation is 15 to 20 years old. And we're going to get better at it in all aspects. And you're hearing it from a guy that's done how many thousands, you know, and I think that's amazing to hear that, you know, just like in rhinoplasty. The more I do, I sometimes I say, wow, the less I really know, but I've done 8,000 rhinoplasty. So, so this is like Socrates. The more, you know, the more you realize you don't know anything. <laughs> and the true. more, that's... the more of these I do, the more I realize that I've got a long way to go to be really perfect. Yeah. It's humbling. It is but very humbling. It's like very unpredictable. But that's a sign of a, of a great plastic surgeon. So I'm going to shift gears now. I'm going to shift to the West Coast. So, the, the, okay, so the reverse BBL. No. So what's going on with Kim Kardashian and others? I mean, they're going, wow, I'm getting a reverse BBL. What? Tell us, what, what's that? So I think there's two kind of selective forces in BBL. One is this primal attraction towards a full butt, which is a sign of fertility, which I already mentioned. Yes. The other, the other trend is more of a, a, a year to year trend. So that the primal trend is here to stay. It never goes away. Does that make sense? Yes. But the, but the, but the, the, the kind of minute to minute variation or the year to year variation has more to do with celebrities and following celebrities. So it's more like hemlines yeah. and, what was big four or five years ago, which was kind of a very big, you know, um, Nicki Minaj, very full, lower, lower A-shaped butt with a lower outer quadrant, very full, has turned into a more sporty or athletic butt. And a lot of celebrities have had fat removed from their butts, so they call it the reverse BBL. 
Um, that, that to me is just the manifestation of changing attitudes and people following celebrities. Um, the good news for Great Britain is they banned BBL for three years, so they're actually entering into a sporty butt right now. <laughs> and they missed they missed the whole like big butt phase, so they're kind of right. They're actually right in line with modern uh, trends in the United States, which is I don't want a big butt; I just want a sporty butt. Okay, but also the reverse BBL is not that simple. Like you can't just like remove fat. It's, no, no, it's ridiculous, well, no, right? It's not. Well, you know, here's in, in adversity lies opportunity, right? That's what they teach you in, in business. So we have a problem here, which is, as you astutely pointed out, you suck all, a lot of fat out of the butt. You're going to have loose skin and, and ptosis, droopiness. Right. Herein lies an opportunity for energy-based devices, such as Morpheus, the microneedling device made by InMode, which if you use it in conjunction with a BBL, Works. you can tighten skin so we, we we we're working on this concept called the morpheus bbl um which i think is going to take off yep no no i agree and for those of you who don't know it's bimodal radio frequency skin tightening and it actually this technology is very innovative and it's you know we've used it in fact you've done the research uh, with us as well on on it in the face and body and it works very very effectively and it's safe so i think that's a great opportunity so what do you yeah. see dan and then in the remaining few minutes what do you see as a hot fed coming up in body contouring you know not only in bbl but in others i think i think Alfredo Hoyos has contributed tremendously yep. to body contouring and with his high definition. And I think the high definition, it's kind of like a pendulum, you know, it, it, it swings to one extreme and then it kind of comes back to center. And I think with body contouring, we're seeing like these ultra high definition females with six packs. And I think it's going to swing back to kind of a more conservative definition where you just see the lateral rectus muscles and maybe the midline above the umbilicus. And I think that's hot. And I also think the, the, the second hottest thing is ways to tighten skin without excision. And I think if we can do, you know, your 35 to 40 year old female liposuction who may, may have needed a tummy tuck and take that borderline patient and do Morpheus to the abdomen and tighten that abdomen, I think that's the hot thing is eliminating big scar surgery. Just like in the face, we've, we've done fewer and fewer big scar facelifts right. because we can tighten skin. I think in the abdomen, uh, especially, and in the arms, we're going to shoot for liposuction and skin tightening, non-invasive skin tightening, to avoid big scar surgery. That's great. Great advice. So in your closing comments, what, what are the key three points you want to tell the consumer about how to get a safe and uh, great BBL? How, how should they go about it? What should they do? I mean, coming from you as a global expert in this area. Go on Instagram in your market. Look around for plastic surgeons who do ultrasonic BBL. DM them. Talk to them personally. See if they'll get on the phone with you. I think... The other thing I think is that when your surgeon is accessible to you, they don't have to be accessible every day, but when your surgeon is, will return a phone call or return a text and it's not just a, uh, a coordinator, that's a really good sign. You should try to find a surgeon who will, will talk to you personally. Um, and I think the last is just do a review of their of their mortalities. 
Um, and I think those are the three key things. Forget about where they went to medical school. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> with us, there's exceptions. No, no, but I think also an operating an credit facility with great anesthesia, yeah. ability to, to obviously have, a, you know, ability to be close to a hospital and just do the right thing. Be a good doctor, right? I mean, you yeah. know, like you. I mean, just be you, a good you doctor. Always, you always know the patients who have, like, gone on real self and looked at the checklist. Like, they'll go, like, you know, do you have an accredited facility? <laughs> Are you board certified? And it's right. like they're asking these questions. No. Like, Alyssa, it's like, listen, let's just get casual here. Like, I've never had a death. Yeah. My, my, my facility is accredited. You know, if you text me, I'll call you. I'll right. text you back as long as it's not 3 in the morning and I'm asleep. You know. But those are the things, if I were a patient, I would want my doctor to be able, I'd want to be able to have some access to him or her. I would want to make sure that they, they do it the safest way possible. And I want to make sure that they haven't had a death. Those yep. are the three key factors. You bet. And I've sent many a patient to Dr. Del Vecchio, and he takes great care of them. So you're a good doctor. I like that. And a great friend. So, Dan, th- thank you so much for taking time out of your busy practice. I know you're, you're in New York. You're going to London tomorrow. So stay safe and uh, enjoy. And thanks again for your wise words. So, again, thank you so much for joining us on the Roric Knows podcast. And, and send us your comments. If you have any questions, I'm sure Dan and I will be happy to answer them for you. Stay safe out there. And thank you so much again, Dr. Delvecchio.